You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome to the Herd and Ten Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Futinski. everyone welcome to another episode of the herd in 10 podcast i'm your host as always jake fortinsky joined by my co-host kevin fortinsky for those of you who are listening just in audio you can't see his absolutely filthy tie-dye buffalo bills shirt it is absolutely sick if you want to see it check us out on video if you can't you're just hearing us on audio that's perfectly fine too Kev, the Bills come off of a big W, although I'm actually not feeling as positive as I thought I would from a win, and I guess it's because I have a whole lot of concerns. Before we get into that, let's just talk about Thanksgiving. Kev, you're going to the game, right? Oh, yeah. Can't wait to go to Detroit on Thursday. I know a lot of Bills fans were there this past Sunday, which was unexpected, but, you know, I thought this is going to be our one chance to go to Detroit in about eight years. It's not too far away. Let's go. Thanksgiving. It's going to be amazing. Get some turkey. Get some turkey leg. But yeah, I'm I'm pumped for the game. Pumped. Love it. Love it. Yeah, look, it's an exciting moment. I mean, again, Bills are prime time, baby. We're, We're getting used to this. Buffalo Bills prime time games. I mean, we're a great team, I think. It's kind of an interesting one. Let, let's talk about the game against the Browns because the Browns are not a good team by any stretch of the imagination. They're not particularly good on defense. They have an okay defensive line, I guess, but not a good defense, not a good offense, terrible quarterback play, pretty good running back play, actually. But again, when you look at this team through and through, they're not very good until... Deshaun Watson, and now only two weeks away, he will be back and he'll be playing against the Houston Texans. But the Buffalo Bills did some good things and they did some atrocious things. Let's start with the first half. In my opinion, it was pretty much a disaster at the start. The Buffalo Bills offense struggled. I think they had two or three three and outs. Josh Allen looked scared. He looked nervous tentative he was afraid to throw the ball honestly i have not seen that from josh allen since his rookie season but things turned around at the end of the first half josh allen and the buffalo bills offense looked very sharp in the final minutes of the second quarter and they drove the ball down they put up a big touchdown it was stefan diggs's first catch of the half which is shocking it's truly a shock I'd like to see them get him involved earlier on, but the Bills pull it out in the first half. And then the second half, they start to play a lot better. Now, they did kick a ton of field goals, 
which to me is a bit concerning because when you're going to start playing better teams, you cannot be kicking, I think it was six field goals in the game. That just can't happen. So there's definitely some positives. Kev, you want to talk a little bit about the special teams? Because I think there's some good things there. And I think the defense had their bad moments, but there are some guys on the defense to me that are playing well and hopefully they can hold down the fort. Yeah, our run defense to me was the biggest positive step on the defense that game. I mean, we held Chubb to under 20 yards. I think on 14 carries, I think he got 19 yards. So just over a yard a carry. Basically completely shut down the run game and made Cleveland one-dimensional, which generally is very good. And look, they got a couple garbage time touchdowns, but the secondary has looked porous for weeks. And um, Dane Jackson has looked worse and worse with each game. I don't know what's going on with him. Um, He looked good to start the season, but he is absolutely getting blown out of the water. For now, I think that's three straight games where he's been absolutely destroyed. They're picking on him the whole game, and basically he's not able to make any plays. Amari Cooper was blowing by him. He's not getting his hands up. He's not... He's not stopping anyone at the moment saw him get beat by cooper we saw him get beat by donovan peoples jones i mean he's not the best receivers in the league and he's getting slaughtered on almost every play and look our safety play has been a problem when poyer's not in damar hamlin's been just okay i thought benford played okay xavier rhodes played okay we're just not getting enough from our secondary right now the bottom line is we need Poyer to play every game because without him, we have nothing in the secondary. And even Taron Johnson, something I we didn't really expect to be talking about, but I feel like Taron Johnson has been getting beat routinely as well this year. I don't think he's been very good. You know, we thought we had one of the better slot corners in the league. He hasn't been close to one of the best slot corners in the league. So we've had some major, major issues with our secondary, and we have to clean that up if we're going to go anywhere in the playoffs. First and foremost, we need Trey White, Trey White back right now. We need him back. I don't think he's coming back for this Detroit game, but let's hope he comes back for that stretch of three games against our division because we need him. We need Dane Jackson to be playing against weaker competition or someone else to take over that second corner spot on the opposite side of Trey White. Um, we need that, and we need that now. If Kair Elam can get healthy, I think Dane Jackson is going to get benched. It's interesting you talk about how badly he's gotten beat, but that he started out the season playing quite well. Honestly, my my take on that is is other teams figuring him out in general the media talks a lot about how quarterbacks can start out their career really well and then sometimes they'll have a sophomore slump because defenses figure them out I think in this case it's been the opposite basically I think the offenses have figured out Dane Jackson they've figured out his weak point which to me is deep plays he has trouble Firstly, his speed is a bit of a concern for me. I I see him getting beat just point blank, just on straight, you know, go routes. I've seen him got get beat. Um, I think he then has issues with his agility and turning around. 
because even if he does manage to catch up to a receiver and he's kind of there, he's not able to turn his body, so he doesn't know when the ball's coming, and therefore he doesn't get his hands up. And an NFL receiver, good or bad, is going to make a catch if it if it if they have a clean visibility on the ball. And I just think Dane Jackson has really struggled with both, like I talk about, speed and agility. <laughs> I mean, that that's cornerback play at its core. So I think teams have just figured it out. I think they've started to realize that he's a real sore spot in the secondary. And of course, without Micah Hyde and Jordan Poor's missed quite a few games, without that extra support, I think Dane Jackson's in big trouble. Um, you know, as a zone cornerback, I think he can get by. But when he's in those situations in man-to-man, he seems to get torched. And unfortunately, you already brought it up, but Taron Johnson, in man-to-man coverage, he has struggled mightily. It's a shock because I think we all kind of assumed that that was a lock. But there's big question marks. The unfortunate part, there is really no one to replace him. You have Saran Neal, who... We've seen more than enough from him to know that he's not going to be able to play the slot position. I mean, unless he's playing a slow tight end where he can just be physical, but anyone with some some speed or some serious skill, Saran Neal cannot cover. So we need to just hope that Taron Johnson's just been going through a bit of a, a slump here and that he's going to figure it out because he really hasn't looked like himself. We knew this going into the season. Tredavious White is such a key piece. I honestly thought initially coming into this year that our defense was going to be way worse without Trey White. I think they've surprised me because they've actually looked okay for the majority of the season. But now that we're getting into the thick of the season where offenses have figured it out, I think that you're starting to see a guy like Dane Jackson just get picked apart. And... There, at this point, I think the only thing you can do is try to give him a little extra safety support. And you hope to God that Trey White and Kair Elam can come back because I think he'll be riding the pine the rest of the season as soon as those guys are back. Not to say Benford had a great game, but he looked significantly better again than Dane Jackson, who's a third-year pro. I know he's a seventh-rounder, but still, we've seen better days from Dane Jackson. So... It's a little unfortunate, but let's talk a little about about the offense. Our run game looked incredible. I I mean, I'm thrilled. (laughs) Devin Singletary, James Cook, they both go for 86 yards. You got to be pleased with that. I I mean, stock up, stock down. Definitely, our run game is a huge stock up. I'm not necessarily convinced that that we have a run game all of a sudden, but at least we know there's the potential. What James Cook showed me is he can break tackles. He might be small, but this guy can break tackles. He's not afraid of contact. Because sometimes when you see a smaller guy like him or or receiving running back, you think that they can't break tackles. But James Cook runs pretty hard. Were you surprised, Kev, to see what he did in this past game? Just really more so the runs in between the tackles. I wouldn't say I'm surprised. I'm actually thrilled that they're actually starting to play him. I mean, he still only played 25% of the snaps, but when he was on the field, he was getting fed the ball and he was doing a lot with it. I read a stat. He was 32 yards over expected in the game and on 86 yards. I mean, that's really impressive. The guy is electric. 
look, Singletary, you know, he's reliable. He generally doesn't fumble the ball. He can get you 10, 20 yards at times. Cook has that game-changing speed where he could go the distance. That, to me, is why we drafted him so high up. We needed a game-changer at running back. And to me, James Cook is the game-changer. And hopefully, down the stretch of this season, we're going to see more of an even split with Singletary. And maybe that'll lead to more explosive plays and give our run game a big boost. Because if we can have two guys running well, that would be great. That was the hope we always had with Singletary and Moss. Obviously, Moss stunk and we got rid of him. But Cook, to me, is probably going to be our lead back next year. So hopefully down the stretch, he's going to inch towards you know, a 50-50 split, even start playing a bit more than Singletary if he shows he can take care of the ball, if he shows he can pass protect, you know, he can be a reliable running back. And honestly, this is a great development in the backfield, especially a game we didn't ask Allen to throw very much. This was sort of a get-right game for Allen. It was great to see him not turn the ball over and just, Get a little bit of confidence back. Obviously, the first quarter, they were not ready to play after the snowstorm, all of that. But once he got settled in, he looked good. He didn't throw any passes that I was worried were going to get picked off. And we let that run game actually get better and better as the game went on, which this season has been a massive problem where the run game actually starts well in the first quarter and then slowly gets worse and worse throughout the game. So this was a big step in the right direction for our run game. And again, another stock up, I would just say our run defense, like I said before. Our run offense, our run defense, big step in the right direction. And that gives me hope for the rest of the season. Yeah, you you nailed it. I, I like the the key here to me with the running back situation is, and, and it's kind of under the radar because there's been so much focus on Josh Allen and what's going on with him and why does he have so many interceptions? He's leading the league in interceptions, actually, which is obviously a little concerning, but he did clean it up in this past game. But it's an under-the-radar storyline, which is the run game. It's something that no one expected. I certainly didn't expect, and we saw it, and we saw that we can do it. Now, again, are we going to be a run-first team? No chance. But... Can we now have some sort of other dimension that isn't just Josh Allen throwing or running? And I think the answer is yes. And I think James Cook is developing into what we had hoped he would become, which is probably going to be our starting running back by next season, but honestly, probably earlier. And what I'm seeing in him, the growth I've seen in him in the last two, three weeks, you can see him getting more and more confident with the ball. It's not just the stats because sometimes we get very hooked on the stats. And of course, yes, he had a great game statistically. Singletary had a pretty good game statistically also. He didn't necessarily have as many yards per carry, but they both produced 86 yards. But it's the way James Cook is carrying himself. It's the vision that he's showing. To me, he's not always hitting the hole immediately. There are situations where it's been a zone run and he's looking and he's figuring out, okay, the hole's not there. 
it's over there. And and he's finding those gaps. He's finding those holes. And he's going and breaking out for a 29-yard run. And that's what you talked about. You talked about the game-breaker type of plays. Well, he's got it. And Singletary, okay, he might not have it. And that's okay. They can be a one-two punch. I'm just starting to think... Similarly to you, I think James Cook is becoming the number one in that punch. And I think Singletary is going to be the number two in that punch. And there is a third running back that we haven't really talked about a lot. And that's because we haven't necessarily needed him in in the offense, which is Naheem Hines. But in special teams, he's looked very impressive. I think his returning has been pretty much as good of returning as consistent of a returner as I've seen in quite a few years from the Bills. The Bills have had some good returners, but they haven't seen this consistency in at least two years. And I am just thrilled. I mean, kick return, punt return. The guy looks like he's got it all. And again, trustworthy. He doesn't look like he's bobbling the ball or anything weird. So I I feel very comfortable with him back there. So point being is, The Bills running backs, I think, are actually going to become a threat. And they're going to be the key piece. They're going to be the X factor that's going to allow us to go as far as we would like to go in the playoffs. You and I talked about this very early on in the season, which is if you want to go the distance, if you want to go to the championship, if you want to go to the Super Bowl, you cannot just have a one-dimensional offense. You have to have that second dimension. And I think we found it in James Cook. I think what he brings to the table is something that no one else has. And to me, his stock is through the roof. I would still buy his stock right now because I think it's got a ways to go. I think he's got development still going. He has gotten nowhere near his ceiling. And that to me is incredibly exciting. Let's talk a little bit about stock downs. I mean, we did mention these two, but Hamlin, Jackson, to me, those are stock downs again, just just because they're getting beat a lot. And I think that they're struggling. And honestly, I think against pass-first offenses, it's going to be worse. So, you know, again, hopefully this stock down segment doesn't exist in terms of Hamlin and Jackson moving forward. As soon as Elam and Trey White are back, I think that they'll, they'll be off the map. I don't think we'll be talking a whole lot about them. One other stock up I have to mention. I mean, we've given this guy so much respect, but he deserves it. Matt Milano, the guy had a great game once again. We, you, you mentioned it. We shut down their run game. Well, guess who was a key piece in that? Matt Milano. The guy leads the league in tackles for losses. I think he's at six or seven now. It's just ridiculous. He also had, I think, five or six tackles. Not tackles for loss, but tackles in the first half. So he, the guy is just everywhere. Whenever there's a fumble, he's there. When there's an opportunity to pick it off, he's there. When there's a chance to blow something up in the backfield, he is there. It's time and time again. This guy just makes up for even we were missing Tremaine Edmonds. Well, guess who steps up to the plate? Matt Milano. So I just, I have to give him the respect because he plays game in, game out, and he's always making big plays. It's not just that he's a good tackler. It's the plays that he makes up when he blows up Nick Chubb four yards behind the line. It's plays like that. His fumble recovery and his first sack of the year where he was shot out of a cannon and blasted Brissett before he even knew what was happening. So the guy, every game, the guy's a superstar. 
top five linebacker in the league. Got to appreciate him. Moving on to keys to the game here. This is an interesting one, I believe, because I think a lot of people thought the Detroit Lions were a joke. And they are no joke. They look good. Their offense is rolling. Jared Goff looks good. I think their defense is pretty shoddy. But they have a hell of an offense. And I actually think they could give the Bills defense a run for their money. Kev, keys to the game here. You're going to the game. What do the Bills have to do to win this game? Because obviously they're the better team, but I don't think it's so lopsided here. Yeah, so I, I think we're going to need to score a ton of points in this game. I actually think our defense um, hasn't been great, and Detroit has played really well at home, especially offensively. You know, you look at their numbers, and they're close to or over 30 points a game at home. They're scoring a ton of points. So in the Dome, they're very comfortable. So we're going to need to come out with a strong game plan on offense, and I think we're going to need to throw the ball a lot, although – Detroit Lions don't have a good run defense or pass defense, but I don't necessarily think we need to control the clock that much. I think we just need to score. I don't really care how we score. We're going to need touchdowns this week, not field goals. Just score points. Make, make them beat us by scoring more points than us. If our offense plays well, I don't think we lose. But again, we need Josh Allen to be comfortable from the start instead of starting, you know, towards the end of the second quarter like he did last week. Yeah, you're not going to have the luxury in this game of having a slow start. I think the Detroit Lions would love to see that from the Bills because I think the Detroit Lions could go up early. I think it's certainly possible if the Bills don't put the pressure on early. But I look at this Lions team and I go, okay, they have Jared Goff. They have some good running backs, Jamal Williams in particular, obviously DeAndre Swift. I think the Lions are more of a run-first team. I think their goal really would be to control the clock and to run the ball down our throat and slow this game way down. They want to get us out of our rhythm. They want to get us shaky early on. So my guess is if the Bills can lock up the run game or... If the Bills can just score early on, I think it would put a lot of pressure on Jared Goff, who has looked good this year. He actually hasn't looked bad, but I think that if you can go up early on the Lions, I think it will be very hard for them to climb back just because I think they really would like to just run the ball mainly. So I think if you can get an early lead, even if it's like a 10 nothing lead, I think that would probably be enough to, to get Goff a little bit rattled or force him into a position that he doesn't want to be in where you know he's throwing two out of three downs I think if we could get them in that scenario I think we should be able to win this game it should be noted that Josh Allen in domes is significantly better than outdoors he's one of the best quarterbacks in domes so this is probably an advantage to him obviously I get that we're on the road but it does help that we just played there. There probably is a bit of a comfort level there for the Bills going into this game a little more than it would normally be. It's obviously not a long travel day either. There's no time change. So I think some of those things are going to help. But when I look at this game, I really just see exactly what you said, Kev, touchdowns. And I would say early that you really have to have a quick start to this game because I think 
if you let a team like the Lions hang in, who need some of that extra confidence, if you deflate them early on in the game, I think you kind of would have it in the bag. I think if you let them hang around, you're going to give a team who should not have confidence in this game, confidence. And that's where, that's where I get nervous. I get nervous when you have a team who should not feel confident starting to turn that around, starting to gain momentum. You just don't want to leave anything up that, you don't want to leave anything like that up to chance. And it kind of brings me to my final point of this episode, which is what do you do in fourth down situations? Because there's a very legitimate chance it could happen again in this game where we're in the red zone or we're near the red zone and you know we're fourth and one, we're fourth and two. Maybe we're up by three points at that point. Do we press? Do we try to go for it? And if we get it, great. Then we probably end up going up maybe 10 nothing versus going up 6 nothing. My only... And, and it's kind of a tricky question because I know that if you convert and you score, you just deflated the entire opposing defense and offense probably because you've now gone up by 10 or 14. But if you don't get it, you've now given them momentum when you could have just kicked a field goal. The Bills didn't mess around. They didn't take any chances against the Browns. They just kicked the field goals. Would you just stick with the field goals against the Lions? Or because they're a much better offense than the Browns, do you have more of that, you know, let's go for it kind of mentality? I actually, I I hate not going for it. With the offense we have, the last game was a bit of a different scenario just because I felt like we needed to see points on the board because of the couple rough games we had and the way we lost. And the way Josh Allen was maybe feeling a little bit down on himself, I think going for the field goal in the last game actually, I think, helped us get points on the board. But just we're coming off a win. We just scored 31 points. You you have one of the best offenses in the league. Um, for some reason, we didn't really call any runs for Josh Allen in the last game. I don't know if you noticed that but we had almost no designed runs for him, which was very different. I'm not sure the reasoning behind that, but um, yeah, it was, I, I was a little shocked when we, we didn't go for the fourth and two, but going forward, I'd like us to go for those fourth downs. Um, we have to show we're one of the best teams in the league. And one of the ways you do that is by blowing out these teams that are worse than you. I don't want to settle for field goals. You know, if you're fourth and six, different story than fourth and one, fourth and two, even fourth and three at around the, you know, 30 yard line, I want to be going for those. I want to put my foot on their throat. I do not want to get into close games at the end where I regret going for field goals. We're one of the best teams in the league. Go for the touchdown. Not to mention we're one of the worst teams when it comes to close games. We don't want that. It's not something we're good at. It's not something we want to be in. And of course, it's very likely we would be in close games in the playoffs. But this is still the season. And I think I, I think you really do need to put the pedal to the metal. I don't disagree with you. I think it was a little weird that we didn't go for it more against the Browns. I think we actually let them hang in for too long. I mean, obviously we won. But that to me is, again, like I think it's a little bit of hesitancy just because Josh had had you know three bad games in a row so I think there was some nerves there but I agree I think Thanksgiving and Josh has been 
incredible in Thanksgiving games. Let's not forget that. I think this is the time to really national audience put the pedal to the metal, you know, put, like you said, put the foot on the throat and put it away. You, you got to put up touchdowns. You're right. You got to put up touchdowns. This is the Detroit Lions. They're, they're not a joke like the Browns. They're not a good team, but they're not a bad team. They're probably a borderline playoff team. In my opinion, they're at home. And I think you need to really prove and show who you are. If we want to be a Super Bowl contender, if we want to lead our division, Start playing like it. I, I don't want to see the field goals. Honestly, even fourth and three, I think we need to consider it. I think we really need to consider doing that. As always, we're going to end here, and I'm going to end by saying, Go Bills. Thanksgiving, baby. Where's the turkey? Bring it out, Go Kevin. Bills. Go Bills. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.